Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. This is our last week in 1 John. It's our last week. Yeah. Some of you, yeah. Am I the only one excited? Maybe. Okay. So we've like hammered through eight, nine, ten weeks um, going through the book of 1 John, kind of breaking out some of the main themes um, that John um, was sharing with us. Um, we've talked about it all summer long. We've established ourselves in the love of God. We've been now rooted in the love of God, the love for one another. We've been rooted in that. We've talked about obedience and what that looks like in the love of God. Hopefully next week we're going to jump into a new series where we're talking about family and what it means to be connected as family um, as we kind of hit these life groups hard. Um, but today we're going to conclude 1 John. And so in 1 John chapter 5, if you guys have your Bibles, there's a portion in there and it talks about John's conclusions. So he's written, written this book and it's been so good. And all of a sudden in his conclusions, he says something that I think all of us need to really attach our heart to. Since we've been established in love, since we've been established in obedience in him, so now what does our heart do? And so if you guys have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 5, starting with verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So what he wants to do first and foremost is he wants to establish something in your life. If you believe in the Son of God, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. How many say that's good news today? Is that good news? Amen. I'm glad you guys are clapping. I was a little nervous earlier, all right? So we, we, we've established then if, that if we believe in Jesus, and he kind of broke down what that looks like, that, 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 that our love is going to show towards one another, our love is going to show towards God, we're going to walk in, in obedience. He's establishing that if we believe in Jesus, that we have eternal life. And because we have that confidence, look what he says in verse 14 and 15, and this is what we're going to focus on. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Because I believe in Jesus, because I know I have eternal life in him, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now, I don't know if, if you like those kind of scriptures. I love those kind of scriptures. It doesn't seem too heavy. It's just kind of this idea that God wants to give us what we ask for, but there's a problem. I ask for a lot of things from God, and I feel like I have a low batting average right now. Anybody feel that way? Anybody feel like your batting average is super low right now? Like you've asked, and you've asked, and you've asked, and, and, and at the end of the day, you just don't feel like maybe you're getting what you're asking for? And, and I kind of maybe kind of make this analogy to it, 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 my grandma, if I, Christmases and things like that. My grandma was, she's a, she, she passed away. She was the sweetest lady. Both my grandmas were. She was, she was the sweetest lady. And she used to call us all the time and she'd say, boys, boys, what do you want, what do you want for Christmas? Me and my two other brothers. She said, boys, what do, you, what do you want for Christmas? And we would tell her, this is when we were young. We were like, grandma, we want Transformers and we want G.I. Joes. And, you know, it was all the, like these toys. And we'd show up for Christmas and there'd be, these gifts under the tree and we'd run under the tree and we'd unwrap it and it would be socks, right? I'm like, somewhere the wires got crossed. And then the next one, we're like, I'm sure, I'm sure it's in this one. We'd open that one, it'd be underwear, right? And we're like, we're 10 years old. Like we'd open the next one, it'd be cool water cologne, which I just want you to know was popular in that day, amen? 
And it was like all the things that we had asked her for, we didn't get those things. It's like she asked us, she's like, ask me, what do you want, what do you want? She's like, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. And so we're like, you know, G.I. Joes and Transformers and this and these toys. And then we'd go unwrap the presents and it was things that we were like, I don't need underwear, all right? I'm 10, I rarely wear it, right? And then I began to realize something. There was something in grandma's heart that she understood that we didn't understand. More toys didn't mean anything to us. We'd play with them, we can be done with them. And so in her mind, she's trying to give us practical things that in a grandma's mind, she's going, they're gonna need these things, right? And I'm wondering if sometimes this is how we approach the Lord. We ask God, we ask God, we ask God, and it doesn't seem like he's giving us the things that we ask him, but he's giving us something else. And so we begin to go, man, why am I even praying? Anybody ever feel that way? Like, God, I asked you, you say ask. Your word says ask. Ask, and I'm asking, and I feel like I'm getting the opposite of what I'm asking for. And maybe that resonates with some of you guys. But after a while, I think that you, you begin to get frustrated it, it, I, was, I was likening this to somebody coming up and saying, you know, if I came up to you and said, hey, I, I want to go get you some lunch, and so what do you want? And you're like, yeah, I want a Big Mac and fries and a large Coke, and I came back with a salad for you, all right? Some of you would be a bit offended. <laughs> like, that's not what I said. And so sometimes I feel like when we approach the Lord, we're asking God for something, and he's giving us something that we need and not just what we want, Amen. So I want to work through this today because I think, um, as I shared last Sunday, I think this is a strategic month for the life of the church, not just reliance. I'm talking about for the life of the body of Christ, and I'm just going to specifically say for Wichita. You know, we on, on Thursday, we have the citywide prayer and worship time, and so churches from all over the area are going to get together. Right now in Kansas, these are happening in Topeka. These are happening in, in Manhattan and Junction City. These are happening all over the place, Abilene, Kansas. All of these churches are starting to get together. And there's a strategic focus on praying together in unity. And I really feel like because of that, we need to know, are we praying for the right things? Are we praying in unity for the right things? Like, how do we develop a culture of prayer that's effective? Not just how do we develop prayer, that's great, that's great. We all have prayers and we all have individual prayers that we kind of shoot from the hip at times. But how do we develop a culture of prayer that's effective and that pleases God? Because that's the ultimate reality of what we want. We want prayer that's effective and ultimately that pleases God. And so I was reading over 1 John 5 and going, okay, Lord, what do you want us to kind of end with in this series the first thing that jumped out at me when I was reading verses 14 and 15 is the first words that came to me was that God hears me. That's one of the first thing. I'm like, wow, God hears me. If we ask, he hears me. That's what came to my mind. And then the next thing that jumped out at me was not only does God hear me, but that God wants to give me whatever I've asked for. Those are the two things that jumped out at me. That's what I locked into. I was like, wow, that's what it is right here. God hears me, and he wants to give me anything that I've asked for. And I think that's our tendency when we read scripture is, is we kind of read into what's in it for me. Don't we? What's in it for me? Like, how is this going to benefit me? How is this going to go my direction for me? But the more and more kind of I read over it, I started to see something else jump out. And it wasn't exactly what I wanted to see. (laughs) 
I read it over, and I, I typically do that when I'm studying a piece of scripture. I read it a couple times through. I see what jumps out at me. First thing that jumped out at me, he hears me, wants to give me anything I ask for. And then I read it some more, and I'm praying, Lord, is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying? I'm reading it some more. And it wasn't that God hears me that jumped out at me anymore, even though he does hear me. And it wasn't that God wants to give to me that jumped out at me anymore, even though he does want to give to me. What jumped out to me now was this part. We can ask for anything according to his, somebody say will. We can ask for anything according to his will. Now there's a problem with that. It changes everything. (laughs) The things that once jumped out at me, that God hears me and he wants to give me everything, that scripture verse right there, that portion that I had left out, now changes that whole prayer, does it not, church? Yes, God hears me. Yes, God wants to give to me. But he doesn't want to give to me what I want. He wants to give to me what he wants. You see, that little portion right there, as I went over it, that phrase changed everything in the entire verse after I had read it the first time. And if you read scripture after scripture, you'll find something. God loves when we pray, and he loves to answer prayer. It talks, ask, seek, knock. I mean, all of those that you can think of, God talks constantly about prayer. However, the prayer that he loves to answer is the prayer that is according to his will. Praying his will back to him, praying his promises back. Lord, you said that you want to redeem the nation. I'm praying that back. Will you redeem the nation? Lord, you said you want to destroy the works of the devil. Lord, I'm praying that prayer back to you. Lord, you said you want to set the captives free. I'm going to pray that prayer back to you. What stirs the heart of God isn't when Aaron's just coming up with some prayers every now and again. What stirs the heart of God is when we pray God's will back to him. Amen? Because he knows in that moment that is sinking down inside of our hearts. So the way I see this, John is wrapping up his letter. He's established God's love for us. He's established that we've been adopted into God's family as his kids. And he's established that as his kids, we walk in obedience. And now like any kid to a parent, he's like, don't you see? Don't you see that God wants you to ask as his kids? He wants you to ask. And so he's saying, ask me, ask me. Ask me, and then what makes God's heart just absolutely leap? Like if you've got a kid, it's like when you've told your child something that you want them to do, and they repeat it back to you, and they don't change it, right? So God's like, ask me. Now that you know me, now that you are intimately involved with me, that you love me, now that you're pursuing me, now that you're walking in obedience, now ask, ask. And it's like he wants us to repeat back now what we know to be true about his will. And it changes our prayers. Because then it's not just prayers that we're shooting from the hip. It's prayers that actually are stirring the heart of God. And I want you to know God hears every prayer. I believe that. God hears every prayer. But the ones that stir his heart to act are the ones that he has already put down in accordance to his will. As we work through this, I'm going to kind of show you, so how do we know God's will then? Because some of you guys are going, so Okay, great, like my prayers, those things, I need to pray according to God's will. What does that look like? And it's a great question. How do I know what God's will is? And I just wanna start by saying part of the reason that we battle so hard is that God has a will and we have a will, (laughs) amen? I think it goes without saying, but God has a will and we have a will. How many of you guys are kind of strong-willed people in here, all right? There's some honest folks in here, all right, good. 
Some of us in here, we have stronger wills than maybe others. Some of us, maybe submitting to the Lord doesn't come as naturally as for, for, for others. And so there's a, the difficulty in this whole thing is that God has a will and we also have a will. And let me just kind of show you in Romans chapter one how Paul kind of addresses this. So like, where did this come from? Where did this come from? In Romans chapter one, verse 21, He's talking about a group of people that have kind of went their own direction. He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. So they had an understanding of who God was. They had a belief in who God was. They understood that there was a God. Look what it says. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So something happened. They knew God. They had a belief in God, but their thinking became foolish. They began to dwell in what was good for them. So look what happens. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God, the glory of the immortal God for the images made to look like a mortal human being, birds, animals, and reptiles. Basically saying that idolatry filled their hearts. Anything that they could place before God filled their hearts. And so I want you to understand something in this moment. Paul is telling us from the beginning of time that there's this understanding that we've had that God is there, God is real, but we've exchanged the knowledge of him for foolish things. We've exchanged the will of God for our own will. What God desires, what God wants, we've exchanged that for what we desire, what we want. And so I just want you to get this. The reason that you and I then battle with our wills with the Lord, the reason that we have a tendency to battle in our wills with the Lord is that we have a tendency to think about ourselves and ourselves only. We have a tendency to think about our wants, our pleasures, and it's just the way that we're bent in a broken world. It's just the way that we're all bent. Because of brokenness, because of sin, we're all bent. The first inclination typically that comes into our mind is, how is this good for me? How does this benefit me? What is this gonna do for me? That's typically, that's why I read scripture and the first thing that jumps out at me is God hears me and God wants to give me good things, right? And it's true, but God hears me and God wants to give me good things according to his will is the key. And so Paul is telling us there's, there's this thing that we have where we're just simply bent in a broken world at times have a tendency to think about our own will over God's will. And so one of the ways in which we begin to see God's will then, how do we know God's will is we keep going, we're gonna fast forward a little bit in Romans chapter 12, verse two, Paul gives us the answer out of this. So how do I know God's will versus my own will? If my natural tendency is that my heart has become darkened and I'm typically looking for my own stuff, how do I know what God's will is? Paul gives us the answer in Romans chapter 12, verse two. And in Romans chapter 12, verse two, he tells us this famous scripture verse that we read a lot and he says do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then he says this keyword then somebody say then then you will you will then you will then you will then then I will then you will be able You will have the ability to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I want you to understand something here in Romans chapter 12. There are two courses of action here in which Paul is telling us we can begin to know the will of God. The first course of action is that we cannot conform to the world's patterns. The first course of action, he's saying, that is the will of man. 
the will of you, Aaron, that rises up, the tendency for you to always go for what is good for you, what you want, what you desire, is when you, is when you go after the patterns of this world, when you follow what everybody else is doing. That is man's will. And so he says not to conform, not to follow that pattern. Following Jesus is going to look different than following the world. Amen, church. And he's saying, look, if you want to know the will of God, first of all, look at your patterns in your life. And if your patterns in your life don't look different than the rest of the world out there, then there's, a, there's an opportunity for you then to miss out on the will of God. The second thing that he says, though, he says not just conforming to the patterns of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first one, the patterns of this world, that's our will. The second one, being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that's the mind of Christ. That becomes God's will. Amen? And so he gives us the answer. My mind, my thoughts, my will is being transformed into the image of Jesus. The way in which I see, the way in which I perceive, the way in which I look at life now comes to the eyes of Christ. And so if I want to know the will of God, there's two things that I need to look at in my life. First of all, am I looking different than the rest of the world? And second of all, I need to ask, am I allowing my mind to be transformed into the image of Jesus? Am I seeing what he sees? Now here's the promise. So that's the start, and here's the promise. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So until or unless these two things happen, until or unless these two things happen, I stop following the world's patterns and I look and be transformed by the renewing of my mind, I do not have the ability to know God's will. I don't know it. If I'm gonna continue to follow the world's ways, the patterns of this world, and I'm not going to allow my mind to be transformed by the renewing of my mind, he's literally saying, then you will be able to. So if he, then I'm gonna be able to. If I don't do those first two things, there's an inability for me to know what God really wants. And he uses those words, test and approve, because you'll simply test it to God's word Lord, I'm praying for this thing. I'm gonna test it. First of all, I'm, the thing that I'm praying for, do I find it in your word? I'm gonna pray for this thing. Do I find it in your word? I'm gonna test it to your word. And then I'm gonna ask, do you approve of it? And then when I test and I approve, is this God's heart or is this Aaron's heart? Is this God's desire or is this Aaron's desire? And what it does is it gives me confidence to say, if it's not answered, then, so this gives me confidence, where if I'm giving it to the Lord, and I'm, I told you earlier, I feel like I'm batting a low average right now of getting back what I've been praying for, it gives me confidence to know that if I'm praying for something and I'm not seeing it come to fruition, and I believe in persistent prayer, okay? Don't stop, don't give up. The Lord literally says, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking, keep knocking. I'm not taking away from persistent prayer, but if I'm testing it and approving it to God's word, then there's something in that prayer then where the Lord is stirring my heart. And then in that moment, if I don't get what I want or if I don't get what I'm praying for, it gives me confidence to say then in that moment, well, then this not must not be good, pleasing, and perfect. And I want you to hear something, church. God is not looking for us to settle with anything less than his will in our life. He's not looking for anything else that is going to be pleasing, good, and perfect in our life. God is not a God who settles. He doesn't say, you know what? You're average. I'll settle for that. Amen? 
Like that's not his heart. That doesn't stir his affection to go, you know what, I've got a bunch of average Christians, but that's okay. Like there's the super Christian that brings the curve up, right? Like that's not the way he works. So he's not settling here. And so it's you and I's confidence to be able to say, man, if I'm not getting it, if I'm not getting it, I'm not saying don't be persistent, but he's saying if I'm not getting it, then it gives me confidence in that moment to say, okay, Lord, then right now it's not good, pleasing, and perfect. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And so once we understand how do I know God's will, then we begin to say, then how do I pray and live God's will? Like, how do I pray then? How do, how do I live out God's will for my life? And I want to go back to something that we skimmed through a few weeks back, because I think everything hangs on this. And, and, and John tells us this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. I, I feel like everything hangs on this part right here. Everything that we've been taught, everything that we've been learning hangs on 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him, somebody say must, must live as Jesus did. And so if you look at the life of Jesus and you look at this word that says you must live as Jesus did, this is, this is pivotal to our identity in prayer. Was Jesus ever denied? Like, do we ever see a time outside of Jesus in the garden when he says, Lord, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours, knowing what he was going to do, knowing that he was going to go to the cross. But did you ever read in scripture where it says, and Jesus went up and laid hands on the man and the man was not healed? Anybody ever read that in scripture? Show me your Bible if you have. You ever read a place in scripture where Jesus went up and, and, and put his hand on a situation or, or, or encountered a situation that needed to be healed or a brokenness that needed to be filled and all of a sudden in that moment, Jesus prayed to his father and God calls back down and says, nope, Jesus not gonna give that to you. No, we, we don't read of that, why? Because in, 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 in the next areas that I'm gonna show you here, there was something about Jesus' heart that always stirred his father's heart when he prayed. And it was never for his own will, but it was always for his father's will. Now, now, now listen to this, because there's, there's six things I wanna walk through, and there's, I'm sure there's a thousand other ways, but there's six ways, I'm gonna have them appear on the screen, six ways in which Jesus lived and knew God's will and when, his, when he was praying and when he was living out his life. Number one is simply this, Jesus walked with God. How did Jesus know the, the will of God? He simply walked with God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Somebody say all. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Jesus believed this to the core. He leaned into his father. He leaned into his father and he knew at the end of the day God was never going to steer him wrong. Jesus had a relationship with his father. Let me just tell you this church, the will of God is not a mystery. Okay, listen to me. The will of God is not a mystery. The will of God is a relationship, amen? The will of God is a relationship. Don't stop praying when you're not getting. Listen to me in this. This is the consistency part. Don't stop praying when you're not getting. Prayer is not an exercise in getting. Prayer is an experiment in growing in intimacy, amen? We're not praying to get all the time, I'm not praying, like I'm just gonna pray only if I get. No, prayer is growing intimacy in your heart with the Father who loves you. So Jesus walked with God, was in a relationship with God. Number two, 
Jesus surrendered his will to God's will. You see it throughout Luke 22 when he's in the garden, not my will but yours be done. When the disciples said, teach us to pray, you see it how Jesus teaches them to pray, your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. Like there was something about Jesus that even though he was given all authority and all power, there was something about Jesus where he goes, it's not about my will, it's about my Father's will. Now many times when we're seeking God's will, what we're really wanting to say to God is, okay God, I'm gonna seek your will. Here's what I'm gonna do. Now I need you to take your rubber stamp of approval and say okay, amen? Like for some of us in this room, that's what that looks like to us. Like I'm gonna seek God's will and we've already got our plan. (laughs) I'm gonna seek God's will, but I've already got my plan and if it deviates, I'm gonna be really ticked, right? So I'm praying for God's will, but I'm trying to force God into my little corner to where he has to accept my will, right? So it's not really seeking God's will, it's, it's an ultimatum to God, right? And so Jesus understands this because he understands that when we are surrendering our will, that we're really giving up control. I want you to think about in this process for a minute. God has a will concerning my life. We know that. Scripture says God has a will concerning my life. God's will encompasses his desires for my life. Like his will is perfect and pleasing and good for my life. It encompasses his desires for my life. I have a will. (laughs) in my life that encompasses my desires for my life. Those two wills are absolutely in conflict at times with one another. When there's conflict, either God's will is gonna win or my will is gonna win. When I pray your will be done, what I'm doing is I'm asking God's will to prevail over mine. So if you're a process-driven person, just think about it through process. God has a will, I have a will. God has desires, I have desires. When I say thy will be done, what I'm really saying is this, God, I want your will to prosper over my will. When we ask that God's will be done, we're basically asking that our wills would be overturned if necessary. And so we have to decide in our heart in that moment, either God calls the shots or I call the shots because it means giving up control of our life. Bob Pierce, who founded World Vision, if you guys know what World Vision is, it's worldwide. They take care of millions and millions of people, organization for Christian relief, helping kids all around the world, especially. Um, There's a story of of him that, that reads, he didn't have much of an education. He lacked in so many social areas in life. In fact, Bob Pierce called himself a second rate citizen, second rater. He says, I'm just not, just not, I'm not up to par with everybody else's leadership. When asked the secret of his life, because here's a man who founded one of the largest organizations in the world. When asked the secret of his life, he said that in his early years as a Christian, he prayed like this. Oh God, I give you the right to change my agenda anytime you like, and you don't have to inform me in advance. You don't have to inform me. In advance, I'm wondering if there's many of us sometimes that are unhappy at God in the way he answers prayers simply for the fact that we haven't surrendered our agenda and control to him. So many times we go through life and we've got that clenched fist like this is the way that it's gonna be and I'm not willing to deviate from this but God, I still need you there. So we hold tightly to things. We hold tightly to our careers and our reputations and our health and our children and our education. We hold tightly to all of these things even though we know that they they never belong to us in the first place. 
And so God is saying, look, when you're saying my will be done over your will, Aaron, you're giving me those things and you're trusting me in the process to do what I need to do. There's a scripture in John 9, in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, where Jesus actually um, is questioned, and he's, he's questioned by his disciples um, about a young man that he finds that has been essentially blind, um, and so they want to know how this happened. And in their mind, in Jewish culture, somehow either this young man sinned or his parents sinned, okay? And so Jesus answers it with this. He says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, in terms of his blindness. He says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, some of us, when we read that, we're like, ah, oh, man, it's so unfair. God, what are you doing? That it, your will is wrong, <laughs> Right? Because it wars against everything in us. What, what do you mean he's been blind so that the works of God might be displayed? And this is where you and I have to begin to trust the process of God's will over the process of our will. Amen, church. Because what we're doing in this moment is we're simply looking for comfort over the difficult path. John Bevere says it like this. I love it. He says, God's number one priority is not our comfort but the redemption of his people. And that blind man that Jesus would heal in that moment would show everybody that had been around him, the crowds of people that were following him, that this Jesus holds a power that this world does not have. Amen? I read this quote. It says, in direct contradiction to the American dream, God delights in exalting our inability. God intentionally puts people in situations where they come face to face with their need for him. In the process, he powerfully demonstrates his ability to provide everything his people need in ways that they could have never imagined. Again, trusting the process. So I'm trusting you, I'm surrendering my will. Number three, real quickly, Jesus was centered on the word of God. Understand this, the will of God is found in the word of God, amen church? If you don't know God's will, then start to get to know his word. <laughs> I tell you, I, every group I talk with um, uh, in our small groups or Bible studies, you know, we always kind of do the poll. How many guys are, man, in your word this week? How many guys are reading your Bible? And I'm one of them, FYI. And, and around the room, you, you see those couple hands that are kind of going up like, kinda, right? And so here we are saying, man, we're supposed to pray the will of God and God will give us anything that we desire if we pray his will, his will, his will. And at the end of the day, his will is found in his word. And I'm wondering, are we found in his word? In John 15, 7, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Number four, real quick, Jesus was right in his relationship with others. So yes, Jesus was right in his relationship with God, but Jesus was also right in his relationship with others. This is important. I'm just gonna skim this real quick. Matthew chapter five, verse 23, tells us that when we come to worship, when we come to the altar to worship and give our prayers to the Lord, it says if someone has something against us, listen to this church, this is big. We don't talk about this often. If someone has something against us, it says get up. Get up from the altar. Get up from that place. Go and seek that person out 
and make amends, reconcile the best way we can. Now remember scripture also says, as much as it is unto you. So that person may not receive it, that person may not listen to it, that person may not want anything to do with you, but as long as it's up to you, you're going, you're getting up, and you're saying, look, if I've offended you, harmed you, if I've held something against you, if I've put an offense between us, I want you to know I'm sorry for that. And then he says, come back to the altar and give your sacrifice to the Lord. Have you ever said that maybe my prayer wasn't being fulfilled because I need to reconcile a relationship? I was bitter towards someone. I didn't forgive them. Now, over and over and over, Jesus talks about forgiveness because this is a big deal. He talks about forgiving one another so that our prayers will not be hindered. So maybe it's not the will of God issue that you have going on. Maybe it's there's a reconciliation issue that's going on. Number five, Jesus prayed with the right motives. James 4, 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend your, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures, right? Like who has not prayed to win the lottery? Come on. And at the end of the day, we all do it. We talk about this all the time in here. Like we all do it. We're like, Lord, I will keep 10 million and I will give you 90. I, I will. I will, but then there's the whole taxes thing, so actually you, you may get like 70, and I may keep 20, because you know retirement's getting a little bit more iffy these days. You see what I'm saying? Notice when Jesus prayed that prayer, when Jesus prayed that prayer of going, thy will be done, your will be done, not my will, your will. In that moment of weakness, in that moment where he felt like he was, I mean, he's literally sweat drops of blood were coming out. In that moment where he knew that suffering was about to come upon him and ultimately death, he wasn't saying, and Lord, don't forget to get me that new camel that I want and enlarge my, you know, enlarge my, my, my house. And Lord, don't, don't forget I need Notice that his prayer wasn't on necessarily nice things. His prayer wasn't on health. His prayer wasn't on money. His prayer wasn't on houses. His prayer wasn't on cars. His prayer wasn't really even on other people in that moment. His prayer was that in some way he could give God glory. And here's why. Because there's a verse that says if we seek first the kingdom of God, what does it say? All these other things will be given unto you. Like if we can just motivate ourselves to go after the will of God, look, he says it. He's like, does your heavenly father not feed the birds of the air? You see the flowers and how well they're, they're clothed? You see how beautiful they are? Don't you think your heavenly father will take care of you? And yet most of our prayers, it seems, or at least I'm gonna speak for myself, tend to be directed more in what I want from the Lord, what I need from the Lord, versus what he wants. And the last thing is simply this. Jesus was in agreement with God's will and God's people because there was unity there. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. If we want to pray the will of God, we've got to be in unity. Matthew 18, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Again, I tell you that if two or if, if that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. I'm going to speak to you married folks and just, just for just a second. If you're married out there, are you praying together? Are you in agreement with one another? Are you wondering if, why, why sometimes strife comes in? Because let me just tell you, where two or more are together, two or three or more are together, Jesus says, there I'm with you. Let's talk about church life. Man, are we praying together in agreement 
as the church, and I'm not just talking about here at Reliance, but are we praying together as agreement as the body of Christ? We want God's will to come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Thy will be done on earth. Thy will be done on earth. We can't be shooting these prayers from every direction unless we're unified and saying, God, this is your will. Like we know your word says you want the redemption of humanity. God, your word says, you, you, again, you came to set the captives free. Your word says you came to destroy the works of the devil. We want to be unified in that. And yet, and, and I know I'm on a tangent on this, and yet sometimes our prayers are more like, Lord, enlarge my church. Lord, enlarge, enlarge the building. I'm just wondering, like, if we brought it back down to the heart level of the will of God Lord I don't care if you enlarge this place but enlarge your church that the gospel would go out that people would find redemption in you so here's what I'd like to do if, if you guys would I'm going to read some things here marriages you feel isolated and alone feel like you lack purpose you feel like you have an addiction or a healing that you need in your life you feel like you have a lack of trust for God you feel like anxiety is running rampant in your life you have anger bitterness whatever it is if any of those things just strike a chord in your heart we stand up in this place any of those things any of those things anger frustration bitterness marriage isolation alone anxiety I want to speak something over you guys today, just in a tangible way. Lack of trusting God. You have a, a lack of trusting God. I just want to speak over those that are standing, and maybe some of you are just, you're sitting there because there's something going on, and you're just not sure what it is. I want you to know it's not the will of God for you to carry those things. God said he came to destroy the works of the devil, and so in no way, shape, or form am I saying, hey, you're just going through it. I believe that God wants to use your situation to put his power on display. And I don't know if it's going to happen now, or 10 years from now, or 20 years from now, but I want to be unified together, and I want to pray that Jesus said that he came to set the captives free, and if that's you today, I want to pray this over you. So if you guys would, just hands out, let's receive from the Lord today in unity as one body, and let's pray this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that your word says you came to destroy the works of the devil, and Lord, we believe that when you put hands on somebody, you heal them. And we believe that you spoke into marriages and you healed them. And we believe, God, that you broke addiction. And we believe, Father God, that you took away bitterness and anger. And God, in your forgiveness, you showed us how to forgive. And we believe, God, that there's no isolation in Jesus Christ, feeling of alone in Jesus Christ, for we are all part of one body. And we believe, God, that the person that's lacking purpose out there today has been gifted in the things of Jesus Christ. And you're raising the gifts up in their life right now all of these things and so many more father we believe that you're the answer to every prayer but father instead of praying our will we're praying for your will and so Jesus in your time in your moment father we want your good and perfect and pleasing will and so God we'll take a step back and we're going to trust the process in this moment we're going to say yes God we trust you we're going to dig in we're going to be persistent but we're going to trust the process we want your will because at the end of this life father if I get what I want and I don't get what you want I still fail 
I still lack, I still miss it, but if I get what you want, I get everything, everything. So God, would you, in your name right now, in your name, speak into every life that's standing in this room, Father, your will be done, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, amen and amen. Can I invite you all to stand? Let's close out with worship this morning. for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.